Greetings, true believers, and welcome to episode 53 of the Polis Podcast, a bi-weekly show about comics, pop culture, and faith. My name is Chris Poirier, and with me, as always, is the one, the only, Hector! How's it going, Hector, my dude? It's, uh... It's electric. It's electric. Oogie, oogie, oogie. Oogie, oogie, oogie. Yeah, so... Hector's here, he's plugged in, it's electric. So strap yourselves in and prepare yourselves, for we've got comic sign. Better put the word out. Get ready for the nerd out. Better put specs on. Better bring next song. On today's episode of the Polis, we've got a wonderful show for you. We're gonna hit the latest news that you need to know, our most recent poll recommendations from the past two weeks, our favorite new number ones, and so much more. This is the Polis Podcast. As we wander on over to our high-tech newsroom, (laughs) um, which, again, continues to be a small closet in my co-working space here in Columbus, Georgia. Um, But it's a pleasant closet that has sound dampening foam on the walls and a microphone that doesn't suck. So I guess that does pretty well. Because it was just my desk at home, which was really sad. But the news. Um, looking it over, I'm pretty well balanced today. So I don't have to like love or hate anyone. I just get to share the news with you. But I don't know if you saw this, Hector, but I was pretty excited. Um, Chip Zdarsky apparently is going to become Marvel's guy. Um, so, you know, Donnie Cates was clearly the guy last year. Um, I feel like Chip is the new quote-unquote guy, because he's now also on top of Daredevil, unless he's rotating off, which they didn't say, he's going to pick up Hulk this fall. That's great. Honestly, I, w- I would... Uh, Al has done a wonderful job with Hulk. I'm not complaining at what Al has done. But mm-hmm. uh, in the same breath, Al gets a little out there. <laughs> and uh, The Immortal Hulk run? What are you saying? Dude, when he was at, like fighting protons in the future, I'm like, okay, you know, I, I think we <laughs> might have we might have jumped the shark. Right, you were looking back, looking for the shark fin, trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I don't know. That probably is enough to make me. I mean, I always try to check out new number ones in general. Everyone that listens to us kind of gathers that because we try to bring you number ones almost weekly because there's always something. But I want to see what. Chip does with the Hulk, so I'm down. I'm ready for it. I excite. Um, I hope he brings a Daredevil, kind of like he did the Daredevil. If we get some of that introspection and stuff from the Hulk, I feel like that's good Hulk. Maybe that's just me. Um, I guess we'll stick with Marvel news. We'll put we'll put it all together. It's like we planned it that way. Um, absolutely, we did. Right? It's absolutely how we did it. Um, But Loki, the show on Disney+, Plus, which, you know, everybody's like still getting over um, Captain America and how wonderful that was and everything. So that's good. Um, Bad Batch just recently dropped, so we got more Star Wars-y stuff going on. Disney's just like, here is all of the shows that 2021 is going to slap, that we've got new stuff like every couple months. And Loki is probably one that a lot of folks are looking forward to. And they're like, Loki's being Loki and mischievous and is going to release a few days early on a Wednesday schedule. 
but that's not all. Um, they actually came out and said, we're leaving it on Wednesdays. So for those of you that might not know, Disney Plus's release schedule usually is they'll tease something on Wednesday and do fall back to Friday, their normal release day. So they get two episodes in the first week, like Bad Batch will have run Wednesday and Friday um, by the time you guys hear this. And Loki's just like, no, we're just going to chill on Wednesdays. And there's a few things that are interesting of this. And Hector, you brought it to my attention. So it's really smart for Marvel slash Disney to move a heavy comic book show onto new comic book day, right? That that wasn't lost on anyone but us. Maybe it was. Maybe it is just us. Well, it's the um, fact the fact that uh, yeah. they're the only ones actually doing comics on Wednesday anymore. <laughs> well, not only all the independents as well, but out of the right. big two, they're the ones doing Wednesday. So it makes it more of look what we got. Right. So for those of you who are confused by that statement, just a quick reminder that when DC opted out of Diamond and went to their own distributors, they moved their new comic book day to Tuesday so that they would be the first comic books out during the week. Um, and then everyone remained on Wednesday, which had basically become the industry standard for new releases. And this is Marvel Disney's way of being like, we're just going to be comic book people. And that's smart. I'm not even going to pull that punch at all that that is just good business that they want you want to connect those two things. And it's something that can drive comic book sales. And it's good when you make all those pieces make sense, especially from a United Marketing front. So good on you, Disney slash Marvel slash the trickster, um, because that's just good business. And it'll be interesting to see if it actually fuels um, stuff. So we'll kind of keep an eye out for as that occurs and as the summer kind of trudges on and all of the events start hitting because it's summer. So that means we got to get all the books to the comic book store with all the variants and all of the tie-ins so that everyone can empty their money is out on the counter for all of the comicses because that's how it works. If you're curious, that is literally how the comic book industry works. My work here is done. Um, the next thing from Marvel, which just kind of made me giggle a little bit, and this is kind of a spoiler-ish type thing. So if like you're really invested in Heroes Reborn coming up and everything, skip the next minute or so. Um, so you've been warned. Um, but as a lot of the pre-work coming out for Heroes Reborn, um, if you got the preview and everything this past week, you had the opportunity to get some trading cards and all those trading cards depicted all of the Avengers as the heroes reborn were done. And, you know, they were leaving the quote unquote big bad or the big good guy out of the middle of that to save it for the thing. But some intelligent human beings took all of the trading cards, laid them all out and realized there was one that wasn't on the cover that all of those trading cards are from. And I'm trying not to laugh through this as it happens because anyone following, you know, Marvel, like speculation or anything, it's Mephisto. And we're not kidding this time. Or are we? I don't it know. Was it was Agatha be... all along. Right. <laughs> um, so, yeah, you you didn't have the middle of the cover, but the the one card that isn't represented on it is Mephisto. 
So there's some folks out there thinking that either Mephisto has literally created slash is the reason for the whole Heroes Reborn existence, or it could be a complete twist of everything and Mephisto is actually the good guy. But yeah, so I guess it was Mephisto all along or not. I'm becoming confused It doesn't fit the rhyme scheme as well. Right. (laughs) It's like, I don't know. But it's Mephisto. Seriously, it's Mephisto. We're going with it this time. It is Mephisto. I have Um, Heroes Reborn number one sitting in my pile, but I haven't like (laughs) looked at it. Taking the jump. Yeah. So stay tuned, comic book fans. Hopefully we'll get to more Heroes Reborn stuff uh, when we come back in a few weeks. So flipping over to the DC side of the house, um, starting off, do you remember DC Fandom, that online thing that they did kind of in the middle of COVID to hype people up for all of DC's media type projects and everything that they did that? It was what, two days of like just DC stuff and running trailers and They've everything. They've twice now, haven't they? No, apparently. Well, it's strange. Maybe. I lose. I'm losing track. To be fair, I think but they either did way, it twice. Yeah, but go ahead. It's coming. It's coming back again in October because it's been doing what they want it to do. So if you've been fueling into the whole fan dome thing, then congratulations. You're about to get a lot more. Um, so that's great for DC fans because I'm hoping that means we'll get more trailers for some of their new stuff. They have a lot of projects at HBO Max that we haven't seen a ton of stuff about. So I'm hoping that's going to be the download there because we've got Green Lantern Core stuff, a GCPD related project, and I'm losing track. But like HBO Max is going to have a lot of DC small screen stuff. Um, So yeah, Uh, DC uh, folks, uh, stuff be inbound. So you be ready. And the other thing, um, I found it interesting. It was an interesting article, but DC's sales and explicitly their relationships with some retailers have seen some strife over the last few months, to say the very least. Some have had better relations. Some have not. It's been kind of hit or mix, but um, it's a bleeding cool article, which I always take with a grain of salt because you – it's hard to really be able to tell yes, no, indifferent from Bleeding Cool, but they make a very valid point. Um, Bleeding Cool is like the Wall Street Journal compared to uh, we got this covered, though. <laughs> right. Um, that's fair. That uh, Rich Johnson and them do a good job occasionally, and sometimes it's like, whoa, what? And then so those I, articles so disappear and everything's fine. But so I, I just want to say, guys, if, if you are ever put into a state of worry or panic... If it's from We've Got This Covered, they don't have that covered. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um. So you shared something from We Got This Covered. That's a meme. <laughs> Look it up. Yep. <sighs> Thank you, Cap. But DC did legitimately have a rough last year. And what this article does lay out is three or four different periods of firings Um, that occurred, that we covered a couple of them as they occurred. Um, But when you see it all laid out, you go, wow, that was rather seismic. From editorial to sales to across the board, people that have been there for very long periods of time, 
others that were influential in their spaces just kind of disappeared during different batches and kind of what's starting to come out through anecdotal stories from stores and everything is especially the sales team shakeup is starting to impact some of the relationships in some places. Like they let go people that, I mean, I dealt with um, and had great relationships with. Um, so some of the, <laughs> some of those folks that when you hear me say, Hey, my friends at DC that I won't say who they are. Yeah. Some of those people were on that list. Um, so it's just interesting and it's something we just want to kind of to put on the radar because in some places DC is doing very well on the shelf. Um, but through their independent distributorship stuff, we have friends even in the LTN community and beyond that are like, yeah, our shop is small enough that that means they basically don't hit initial thresholds, which means they don't get DC books until a week after, um, stuff just because of buying thresholds and everything. And with them moving editorial schedules around and FOCs, final order cutoffs being like jammed in, uh, all kinds of weird stuff happened. So some stores have been having lots of difficulty with returnability type issues like Rorschach. You haven't heard us talk a lot about that. <laughs> um, DC learned that lesson and they offered a fair amount of returnability on some or all of the Rorschach titles and some stores still haven't been refunded or even credited and are months separated from when they should have had money back on their account. Um, and others are like the Fortnite stuff with all the crossover stuff going on. A bunch of stores went light on that because of the returnability issues they've had on other titles. Even knowing that you should understand that Fortnite is literally the crack of every small teenage child on the face of the planet because especially when there's digital content codes in it. Um, but a lot of stores backed off because of their relationship. So... It's interesting to note because I know many of my friends in the industry have always said that customer service and your relationship with direct retailers is going to make or break how well your company does, no matter how big you are. And I think this is kind of the marker in the conversation for DC of be careful because the industry is noticing. And that's to say the direct retailers are noticing that things changed and not necessarily for the better. Um, but it's not a warning bell quite yet, but well, it's an interesting article have, that, yeah, go for I've it. I've heard my local shops say multiple times, that's it. I'm done with DC. We're just not going to carry DC right. in the store. And then like next week, psych, Hey, look, it's a punchline. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And, and that's the thing is because they're doing a lot of new characters in the Batman line. We even joked about it, I think, last episode or the episode before, that that sells books. That from the the big two does ultimately still have an impact in the industry from that perspective because they can drop new characters that it's like, yeah, of course I want to know what's coming in the Batman universe, in the Superman universe, etc. That hardcore DC fans are going to show up for it no matter what happens. You mean but, this is the first issue of Aardvark Alfredo, I have to know his backstory. <laughs> yes, and it comes with 32 variants, one foil, one, one in 500 variant that's worth $25,000 but won't be by next year. Questions? Uh, comic book is math Tom is a McFarlane thing, doing the toy line? <laughs> right? <sighs> so, 
Anyway, it's an interesting deep cut to kind of look at some of the people that got moved around and some anecdotal, which Bleeding Cool does really good at kind of skimming the social media of retailers and just pulling out the general pulse of some folks or even them in their moment of frustration and then just laying it out for you. So the nerd in me thinks it's interesting because I knew a lot of those people, um, but it was really kind of stark to see them all laid out side by side because all of them were in different batches. So I, I find myself that I was saying goodbye to them as DC folks um, nonstop last year. Um, so it's just interesting to see how that ultimately is playing out now because DC's Warner Brothers handlers clearly have an envisionment. But how that envisionment will impact them in the long term in the retailer space is still to be determined, is what I'm seeing. And then finally, on the independent side, I saved you one independent for today. Uh, the Magic Order from uh, Millar. I don't know if you had a chance to read that, but you've probably been hearing for almost two years now that a Netflix show is going to be based on this eventually. Two things. Still is a Netflix show. Um, and number two, to help it actually make sense, because when the first arc of it ended in comics, it didn't feel like an end and it also didn't feel like a beginning, but to help with that, we're going to get, um, graphic novels of volume two and volume three, both this year to supposedly what will finally be the launch of the Netflix show early next year. So if you followed any of that, or you just like following the Millar verse in general, um, You've got more stuffs coming. Not your bag? Did you read Magic Order? I didn't. Um, and like I was just thinking you're weird for saying Millar. But Yeah, that's fine. I am weird, so that's how it works. But that's what you need to know. That's our bi-weekly look at uh, the industry and delivering you the inside knowledge. Lots of it this week. And as always, you can join in on the conversation with Hector and I and all of your nerdy friends over at the Love Thy Nerd community on Facebook and the Love Thy Nerd Discord. Come hang out with us. Talk nerdy stuff. Tell us what you liked, what you didn't like, maybe even what you hated. Oosh. But also what we definitely but missed. In love. Because, yeah, but mostly love. You what you hated in love. Come and hang with us and talk comics because that's what we are here for. We live for it. What's up, nerd? You digging this podcast? Well, the audio enjoyment doesn't end there. Visit LTNOnAir.com and make LTN Radio your new go-to for the best Christian rock, rap, pop, and indie, as well as our exclusive LTN shows and podcasts, some of which air on the station before they're available anywhere else. Visit LTNOnAir.com to listen now and find the link to our app. Now back to the show. Speaking of living for it. I think that means we should probably tell the people what we've been reading over the last couple of weeks. So, Hector, how about you um, take us on a journey of of comics from the last two weeks that you were like, this is amazing. I have to tell all the people. Well, I'm going to start out with a full transparency uh, confession. It's been a <laughs> busy um, season in my life. Uh, mm. And... I've got, you know, if you know my know me personally, you know, we've got some like family medical issues and things going on and uh, just with my family and I've my world's crazy. So I mm -hmm. am behind on my reading. 
Um, so effectively, I am probably, man, I'm behind. Let's just say that. But uh, that's some real talk. <laughs> I uh, I probably have fifteen to twenty books from the last two weeks that I haven't read yet. Um, I have probably close to that number that I haven't picked up because either I've just missed it on the shelf and whatnot because I've been busy, not quite the same as a lot. Hector's got stuff going on. So be thinking about Hector. Um, but mine is I'm dealing with the a shop that's kind of been hit or miss on some stuff in between that I usually come to here and look at your list and go, oh, dang. So, real talk, fam. Stuff happens. And even more happens when you're standing staring at the wall in a comic shop um, when you may be a few days behind on getting there on New Comic Book Day. So, the struggle is real. And I think that's Hector and I just saying, we get it. Because we do it, too. So, I just apologize if my depth of my polls isn't there. I legit mm. uh, looked at what I had as potentials and said, okay, I'm going to read this in time for the poll list. <laughs> so... If it's not all that it should be, my bad. Um, but with that being said, uh, out the gate, I did want to mention um, a book. Uh, it's a out of the um, ordinary for me pull. Mm. Like this wouldn't sound like it would be something that would be in my uh, wheelhouse, but a uh, a hardback graphic novel called Dragon Hoops. Wait, 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 that you, you pulled a sports based title. I pulled a sports based title. What's really funny um, is okay, that go on <laughs> when you read the book, it's a sports based title from someone who doesn't do sports. Okay, so it literally if you're a nerd picking up a book about basketball, it's written by a nerd who doesn't know anything about basketball. Noted. I feel better already. <laughs> um, it's written by uh, I, yeah, I'm gonna butcher his name, but it's the same guy who writes Superman Smashes the Clan. Oh dang! There's some range there. Yes. Well, and that's the thing. It's a pseudo biographical tale of him and his uh rise to comic book stardom. Um, but. That comic book writer and illustrator that did Superman Smashes the Clan, uh, Gene, and I'm going to leave it there, um, but he decides to write a graphic novel about a high school basketball team that's on the precipice of greatness. And Hmm. the the long-standing history of their school but it also it has him coming home from teaching talking to his wife about his experiences and then also dealing with DC as they're wanting him to write superman and also the fact that they want him to write a superman story he doesn't want to tell mm. so it's it's got some fun little things in it um uh, but also one of some of the stuff that got me is like the historical elements of it because it will like you'll be in the middle of high school stuff and how it relates player to player, but then it jumps over. Here's how high how uh, basketball got to Russia, and it's oh, straight up, it's straight up a history lesson 
on how basketball got to Russia or how it got to China or how missionaries effectively brought basketball to other countries as well. Um, And it's like high school sports, Superman. Oh, look, history. And like, or what it's like to be an Iranian kid or a Chinese kid playing basketball at a Catholic school in America when you don't share their faith. And I learned things about Mm. other faiths in this. Um, Like the, the, my depth of knowledge on what a Sikh believed was limited to the Sikh episode of the office. That's pretty limited. Got it. Uh, And it's like, and it goes through a whole little thing. And the dude's just a really good storyteller. Um, Todd Turner, who's really vocal in the LTN community and probably more more qualified to host this than I am. Um, Todd like really has been pushing this book. And uh, so I read through it and, it's I, I recommend it if you have a mild tolerance to sports, but you're you <laughs> like comic book stories. Um, this is a good one for you. Uh, so it's just I've only I don't know if it's in individual issues or not, but I got the hardback graphic novel. Um, and it just looks cool. like a basketball like the book does. But there's enough nerdy content and enough tongue in cheek stuff. Um because he was showing the sketches, I guess, to the players he was writing about as he were going, they were going along. And one of the funniest panels is, uh, hey, man, uh, I appreciate you drawing me, but that's not what my hair looks like. That looks like some generic stereotype of my race. Could you maybe do something different? And he says, sure. And then the next panel, his hair is fixed. And <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> but it's that kind of stuff. So Dragon Hoops. Check it out. Um, it's it's a fun fun run. Uh, let's see. Uh, other than that, uh, Better A Bill number two is the going on. It's the continued story, and it it feels like something gnarly and nineties to me. Um, but it's Better A Bill looking for a new hammer throughout space so that he can look human again, so that he can have a romantic relationship with Lady Sif. Seems legit. But it's way deeper and more emotional than that sounds in that sales pitch. Um, but uh, you remember the dude that uh, Carl Urban played in uh, Thor? Ragnarok? Right. Yeah. What was his name? <laughs> right. Oh, dang. Why did you have to do that to me? What was okay. But, you know, Hela's sidekick. Okay. Right. Well, that dude shows up on Better A Bill's ship in the second issue. He's like, dude, I was in Valhalla and watch you got rejected. I came to help. <laughs> womp, so, womp, womp. so better Ray Bill his, struck out. His, his name was Scourge. How did I forget that? Yeah, he was. Uh, he better Ray Bill struck out so hard with Lady Sif that Scourge came from the afterlife to be his wingman. That. And, okay. <laughs> that's literally what it said. <laughs> and um, so they have to find Odin, who's m- missing, to uh, make him a new hammer. And they find Odin, who is running a bar and making craft beer. Also seems legit. Like, he looks like a biker, muscle shirt, eye patch, and he's making craft beer in the back room. Um, And it's honestly just a story of, like, being able to love yourself. 
and it's it's good, man. It's like, but it's got a nine a gnarly '90s vibe to it. Um, and it's only se- second issue in, but I thought it was really good. Um, I'll I'll finish this one out. Um, and it the end of this story of the second issue plays off one of the most classic Doctor Who episodes. And I'll leave it at that. Mm. Um, one of the most classic Doctor Who episodes written by Neil Gaiman. Ooh ah. Uh. Um, okay, yeah, well done. Uh, next, uh, Robin number one. Um, this straight up takes place after the on again, off again thing of where uh, Damian Wayne has like rejected Bruce and gone on right. his own and has completely ghosted the whole family. And uh, it's him entering the Lazarus tournament basically to prove that he, uh, isn't prove his worst. own self. Yeah. He he's basically going <laughs> on his own journey, rejecting his mother, rejecting his father. Um yeah. but but he lands on an island where uh it's a uh more he, he's basically entered in Mortal Kombat is the effectiveness. Hmm. He's traveled to an exotic island where he has to compete against other fighters <laughs> for, you know, all the things. Um and uh, it seems vaguely familiar, yeah. Hmm. But and but here's the thing: being that this book is already two weeks old, I don't feel like this is. I need to spoiler this because it'll be two weeks old by the time you hear this. Um, you've been warned. You've been warned. Um, the last page ends with a fatality, <laughs> where a woman rips out uh, Damien's heart. <gasps> Like, literally, like, punches through his chest, rips out his art, and you see him, like, he's, you see the lights fading as he dies. Um, Dang. Now, this is on Lazarus Island. Right. So I'm pretty sure, you know, they're about to just chuck him in a pit and, like, round two, fight. But, like... <laughs> I don't think anybody was like, oh man, buy this issue. It's going to be the issue Robin dies. Not, nobody cares. It's not that party. But, um, yeah, you it do must get... not be because to your point, being this far out from it, and I basically hadn't heard that yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's like nobody, nobody's really concerned. Um, but legitimately, y'all, it was like you, you just turned the page and like, oh, there's a hole in Damien. Oh, that's his heart in her hand. <laughs> it's pretty great. <laughs> um, whoops. And I was like, I think I'm, Damien has become the Rory of Batman. And if you're not familiar with that Doctor Who reference, Rory continually dies for no good reason. Um, <laughs> and Doctor Who. And uh, this is like death number three for Damien, I think. Um, so uh, it's the worst. <laughs> so that's a thing. Uh, but Damien number one or Robin number one was fun. Uh, you also get some Ravager in it if you are a Ravager fan. And mm-hmm. uh, so I, I am a fan of Ravager, so that's nice. Um, so those two, um, let me hit, uh, I guess the last one on my list is um, Batman 108. And this yep. is Miracle Molly's first cover appearance. Yes, and, yes it is. And like everybody and their mom is like, ooh, Miracle Molly. And it's that whole thing of, you know, it's, it's Aardvark Alfredo. It's you You name a random character. And I, by the way, I, I claim all copyrights on Aardvark Alfredo. So that's 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 fair. I won't challenge you on that. 
And I mean, we warned you like two episodes ago that like literally Tinian is just going to be dropping new characters left and right. So here Uh, we are. (laughs) Here we are. Now, to be fair, um, to be fair, uh, the Miracle Molly was dope. Um, I dig how it's being that it's how the character's being written. I do not love the outfit. <laughs> oh no, her outfit looks like you know an '80s action figure doll that you know is walking around, and it is what it is. It's very cyberpunk. It's very whatever. Um, yep. But as far as character delivery, uh, like I'm down for that character. Like I would read like punchline seems like April Ludgate and some clown makeup. <laughs> Miracle Molly seems like I actually would listen to what you have to say. And I'm glad that you're in books that add value. So like, as far as Tinian's new creations between like ghost maker and punchline and all these things, uh, Miracle Molly has the potential to be the best addition he's placed into the bat world. Yeah. So so far at least. So I was not disappointed with her uh, real debut and uh, just seeing her have a tit for tat with Bruce and it go well was Mm. really cool. So that's yeah. No, I thought it it stood it stood out for me um, as well, and I knew it was most likely going to make it on your list. Um, So yeah. No, I'm kind of curious how that plays out. I've seen some articles that are like, you know, is this the anti-Joker um, kind of villain? And I don't know if I like that comparison yet. But well, it's that his power yeah. is insanity and her power is ultra-sanity. Right. So it's it's interesting, to say the very least. So, yeah, what did I read? Well, I did a few random things, too. Um so one of mine's actually calling back to remember way back when when we said that Radiant Black was an interesting thing? Well, to be honest, it's been hard to come by copies of it. Um, so I finally caught up on multiple printings of number two and number three. So circling back to the dude that didn't know he was going to be a superhero but randomly tripped across being a superhero... Um, So Radiant Black follows this writer who is just straight up going through that midlife. I can't write, can't get anything paid for. I moved back in with my mom and dad because that's super cool. And he goes out with his friend and gets hammered in issue issue one. And basically trips across this mini black hole, right? And it gives him powers and he does crazy things. And that's wild. Um... And then issue two is really kind of wandering all over the place of, hey, you did that thing but didn't do that thing. Him having like heart-to-heart talks with his dad every morning about how he's broke and how he doesn't know what he's going to do with his life. But the third issue, we finally realize that the little black hole entity is another entity. And it's weird that it's an entity, but... He ultimately finds out that it's another sentient being. And as he's trying to write his book, 
he starts getting critiqued by the entity that is within him. And so the third issue of Radiant Black is really this guy coming to terms with what the heck is this thing? And oh, hey, it seems to be somewhat useful. And he also finds out that he really sucks at being a superhero. And they tell a great little story that in the middle where he's like, well, I could at least use my powers to do good. And the only thing is like some people have a flat on the side of the highway. So he rolls out to help him with their flat and he can't change the tire because he doesn't know what he's doing. And the kid's like, you're a superhero and you don't know how to change a tire? And he's like, shut up, kid. And so he picks up their car and delivers them to where they're going because he can't change the tire. Um, And I was like, that's the most baller superhero flex I think I've seen in a while. (laughs) That he's like, be quiet. I'm just going to fly you there. So I'm still not 100% where Radiant Black is going. But it's at least fun on said journey of where he's going and how he's getting there. So I don't know if you picked up Radiant Black Beyond 1 or even Red Number 1, but I'm kind of back in it now now that I'm caught up. I've not touched it, honestly. It's a little out there, but by it might be a great read in trade for some folks that still don't know um, because there's a lot going on, which brings me to... Donny Cates and crossover yet again. <laughs> and still the most insane mismatch jamming of comic book characters from all over, which you get a semi answer in, in issue six to the, are these things legally distinct, but different? No, they, they actually are. He, <laughs> there, there's actually about, it's like what, 10 or 15 or 20 direct artist and creator teams that he's like, and thank you for letting me play with your toys is literally the editorial comment on the last page <laughs> um, of six, which is just wild. So this entire thing of crossover literally being a crossover about the issue of comic book characters being alive during in the real world with this crazy event that brought them into the world and everything that's been going on is the entire first arc brings you to kind of the reveal moment that honestly, if you were reading from the beginning and didn't know was coming, I don't know what to tell you. Um, so semi spoiler. Um, but you find out that the main character you've been following that seems to be really kind of chill with everything going on is because she was always a comic book character that was faking being real. Um, and like I said, I'd say that that's like super, Spoiler or whatever, but like really in the first issue, it's like, no, nah, she's, she's a comic book character. That That's where a, this is going. I'm a comic book character faking being real, but I meant, you know, I don't tell everybody. I mean, shh, well, you just did. Um, I told the like 90 people that'll hear this. <laughs> <laughs> you all, you all know now. So keep, <laughs> keep Hector's, Hector's secret. Otherwise he'll find you. Um, but yeah, crossover continues to just be this really wild, literal crossover of the comic book industry. And if anything, I think you should read it to do the where's Waldo of all the references and everything. Well, also following a pretty well knit together story of all these people trying to originally get the one person back to the comic book world. And now you're kind of finding out that it's a homecoming kind of for everybody. 
involved kind of thing. So there's a lot going on. It is really wild. The IP that they're like, yeah, do your thing. This is going to be crazy that we're a crossover book is literally a crossover book. And that's just awesome. And let's see. I think that brings me to the next cool thing. And that is a Marvel book. I know it's shocking. I've, I've said these things before, but the book that I'm bringing to bear on this one is Strange Academy. And a lot of folks have heard me say Strange Academy before. And Strange Academy is really great because let me tell you, when you literally get to take that many different Marvel characters and basically they're kids and throw them into the Harry Potter school Hogwarts of the Marvel universe that you get this wild story of back and forth with these kids and it's just well drawn. Scotty Young's doing a lot of the work here of telling us this great story and the art on the other side is really great as well. But the thing that made this episode slash issue just really great is they go on a field trip that almost every one of these issues is kind of that thing of how to say this is like, they have like school tropes that kind of occur in the middle and everything. And those school tropes are, Basically, field trip, Parents' Day. So the last one was like Parents' Day and everything. And it was just, this is great. They're on a field trip now. All these kids are going to Asgard, so they're going to Thor's homeworld. But the main thing here is you see more of the story of the teenagers kind of connecting and more like high school level stuff and everything connecting. And... You ultimately find out that one of the people is connected to it's, – it's all theorized that everybody's parents are heroes, right? That they all go to this school because they're connected to heroes in the Marvel Universe. And you find out – spoiler alert. I won't say who because that part you can just pick up the book and actually figure it out. That one of them, their parents are actually – um, villains and not superheroes. So Strange Academy is weaving a intelligent story, but also is doing all kinds of wild and crazy things. So, well, honestly, I'm, I think it's been one of the biggest things in terms of keeping Doctor Strange relatable because Doctor Strange has kind of been like out of the proverbial loop as a yeah, serious that's good character too. for a while. Yeah. And now he basically has to be, you know, the Dumbledore to this uh, Hogwarts, like I said earlier. And sometimes he's like, I'm having none of it. And other times he's like, oh, got to save the kids again. So, yeah, if if you're looking for that high school um, story, but it's just based firmly in the Marvel Universe, then if by now you're not reading Strange Academy, I'm, I'm sorry, you should be because I keep telling you to. And I'm not saying that just because it's me. I'm saying it because it's really been a fun book. And that's that's kind of my break 
in the middle of some more serious comic reading or like just really twisted comic reading that that book just has fun. It's pretty and it gives us a ton of cross section of Marvel characters on that journey. So Strange Academy, it's still out there. I got a really funny message today from a friend from high school who's just started reading graphic novels this past week. Mm. And uh, what's the like Candyland looking one from Scotty Young? Uh, oh, I hate I hate Fairyland. Yeah, she's like, I read this, but I think it might be too um hardcore for you. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I was like, no, no, sweetie, it's it's not. <laughs> but go on. It, but it is pretty wild. And I guess that's why my last my last one is I said I kind of wasn't gonna go there, but I'm I'm here again. That. Uh, fear case number four. So the complete story is completed and I'm not sure what I expected the end to be. I'm not sure if it's, it's an ending and it's kind of, it's my head's still kind of wrapping my, the theory. None of this screams confidence to me. Huh? I said, none of, none of how you're describing this screams confidence in this book. Right. Well, it's well, it's actually that I'm still trying. It's kind of like the ending of seven. It's like, okay, is the dude really crazy or really brilliant? Or both. Fair. Fair. Because <laughs> um, literally this this was a what's in the box kind of ending um, because it is this case and they finally get it. And this last issue is the walkthrough the final day of the secret service agents working the case. Cause like we said, you know, they've got that time limit. Well, on the final day, someone literally hands the case to one of them and it's like, wait, what? <laughs> and also based on what they know about the case, you're, you you do not want to be a recipient of it. So the entire final book is playing out what happens. And that's why I say I'm still unpacking whether I mean, it's pretty brilliant where it ends up um, and how the ending of the book hangs the concept of the case. But as a four-issue kind of like mini that's with a really wild idea in a place that it ends up, I still think people should read it. Um, And again, um, pretty violent, so you've been warned. Um, that almost sounds like I don't, you know, I'm not telling people they should get dental work at a flea market, but <laughs> it, it's something. Well, not quite that. It's one of those that you should at least experience this and then you can fight me later on on whether it was worth the money for said conversation and experience. But it, it's it hit my interest to the point of, OK. It's a conversation I want to have with other people. That's why I'm recommending it is because it's like either it really is worth a conversation or nope, we all overread into it. So I want to give all of the wonderful people out there the opportunity to have that consideration going forward. This week in nerdy news, this is LTNN. (laughs) 
Got a couple casting updates from the CW as it pertains to their DC comic series, The Flash. According to Entertainment Weekly, Jessica Parker Kennedy will return as Nora West Allen, a.k.a. XS, in an upcoming episode. Also, according to Deadline, both Tom Cavanaugh and Carlos Valdez, who play Wells and Cisco Ramon, respectively, will be leaving the series after the seventh season. Which uh, tells me maybe that that'll be time to wrap it up. Don't 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 push it. Don't don't overstay your welcome. You've had a you had a good run. <laughs> no pun in, the puns. <laughs> it's completely completely not on purpose. Netflix, of course, breaking with its tradition of canceling its original series after three seasons, is hyping the fact that Stranger Things Season 4 is on the way with a new trailer that focuses on all of Eleven's siblings in a playroom. There is no release date for Season 4, but it's coming. And if you're one of the funders of the tabletop game Station Fall, in which you find yourself on a space station hurtling towards Earth... Well, you can rest assured the game's been funded. In fact, it's been funded six times the amount needed for production. It will be ending this week, so if you want to get in on these early stages, you better head over to Kickstarter right now. That was This Week in Nerdy News. I'm Radio Matt, and this is LTNN. And I think that brings us to our number ones. So, what you got? Uh, for me, it's Eve, um, and it feels like a solid start to a story, but it also feels like they didn't waste my time with too much introduction. Ooh. Um, Don't get that a lot. (laughs) No. Did you pick this up? I wasn't. No. I think this is one of those I was looking for and... So within two this. within two to three pages, you've got a little girl having an obviously not real interaction with her father. Um then uh like things start to go black. She's like, Am I dead? Then she matrix style unplugs from a tank and starts to get her bearings. And there is a teddy bear sitting in front of her, very similar to that movie, uh, AI. Okay. Like that old film. Um, so, uh, there's an Android that was programmed by this girl's father to wait for her. Um, because, uh, she's never really lived outside of this tank. Her entire, I guess, existence has been inside of this uh, creative jar. I don't know. Oh, dang. Like, uh, you don't know what of her memories are real. You don't know how long she's been in there. But the way the android bear talks, it's her first time chewing real food. It's her first time walking. Like, that kind of stuff. I don't know. You don't, you don't get the full truth of it. But the reality is, uh, this girl has been left in a stasis... Because the world has been ended-ish. And uh, it's up to this little girl and her android bear to restart life on Earth. By, like, as far as, like, replanting things and starting creation over. Okay. 
But it we're talking like an eleven year old girl, an android bear, an apocalyptic Earth, and a mission to go out into this destroyed world that's been gone for twenty years to find her father who's still alive but very far away and in bad shape to restart the world. And the dialogue with the bear and the little girl is wonderful. Um he so like uh she starts walking, he's like, This is the first time you've really walked on those legs. You can lean on me. She's like, Am I too heavy? Not at all. He said, But soon you'll be strong and you'll be able to carry me. She's like, Really? No, I weigh three hundred and seventy two pounds. It's <laughs> just like, just, just just kidding. But I mean it it's that kind of thing. And so like literally the the book ends issue one with the the bear and the girl sitting on top of like a water tower overlooking a destroyed Manhattan talking about, all right, uh I don't give up, so here's where we're going. Because the thing was the visions with the father, the dad has been mentally preparing this girl for the what she's going to have to do through her whole life until she was hatched out of that tank. Like, so in stasis, she was getting daddy pep talks. Wow. So that's a thing. Um, it was a fun read. I would invest. Interesting. Yeah, I'm going to have to keep an eye out to circle back to that then. So mine comes from the absolute insanity side of the world so i checked out uh ennis has a new book out and it is called marjorie finnegan temporal criminal and i said garth ennis and temporal criminal in the same sentence so you pretty much have everything you need to know at this point and we can wrap up no a little more okay um so we start this story back in ancient Egypt and literally one of the concubines like listening to a pharaoh like droning on like suddenly breaks character and you basically get introduced to Finnegan who is a temporal time traveler thief. So and she's, she's River Song. Yeah. And so again, it's, it's Garth Ennis, so hyper violent um book but so she pulls out her shotgun from somewhere which that's a thing in and of itself um because she was wearing like a bikini basically but a shotgun shows up so that's the level you're operating with here and just starts laying waste some pharaohs and stuff and steals some ancient egyptian jewels and stuff you get flashed across to a dude that is now in Viking times selling a howitzer artillery cannon to a bunch of Vikings so that they can blow up people instead of, you know, pillaging and stuff. And then you flash back to this other character and you basically find out that there's a lot going on, that there's these criminals, so weapons dealers, thieves, etc., that are jumping all over time and space um, and in and out of the astral plane and everything to do their stuff, but attempting to also do so with or without violating the time code, right? So you finally get introduced at the end of the book that there is a law keeper <laughs> um, in all of this. And what you get little glimpses of is when these other people end up killing people with future weapons or whatever, 
there's a little blip on the side that tells you what happened to that person, but is like the historical excuse for what occurred. And so you have this all laid out in front of you that there's these criminals that are jumping forward, backward, and really messing with the timeline. And then there's some cops supposedly in the middle, but you don't know a lot about them. So if you're looking just for pure insanity, um, you know, action-based thing that has a heavy dose of weird, then boom, nailed it. That's the book for you. Yeah. Okay. That's my number one, bro. <laughs> it was, I, I just don't know. For, for me, I guess the word bonkers comes to mind, which I use a lot when it's really weird. Well, this one was really bonkers. So if you're looking for something that is just completely different, weird, I have a feeling this one is going to scratch that itch for you. So that's it for us here at the Polis Podcast. Temporal or otherwise, no criminals involved. Episode 53 is in the books and now allegedly, that's true. Our lawyers want you to understand allegedly that nothing here has been proven. But episode 53 is now in the books and in your ears. But we couldn't possibly do any of this alone. As many of you know, we take this epic journey of podcasts and fandom with lots of other amazing podcasts that are part of the Love Thy Nerd podcast network. So be sure to check those out. You can visit lovethynerd.com for more info, previous episodes, and find yourself something new and interesting to listen to. But Hector and I want to sincerely thank you for choosing us as your primary comic book knowledge factory on a near-weekly basis. So don't leave us hanging. Rate and review the show on your favorite podcasting app of choice. We're on the iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, and so many more. Uh, Man, been a good week. Lots of comics. Thanks for listening, and remember, kids... Read more comics.